everybody and welcome back to another episode of Reading Harry Potter with an 11 year old. Um, now, welcome back um, if you're um, a regular um, and hello if you're new. Um, this podcast is all about reading Harry Potter, my passion, with you guys. Um, as you can tell, I'm 11 and there's probably questions. Why not read it to your sister? And yes, I do have a sister or brother. Why not read it to your mum and dad or something? But the thing is, I want to share my passion with the world. So that's why I'm here today. I'm reading Harry Potter. My sister doesn't read Harry Potter. But I just thought to myself, why not read it to some other six-year-old out there? Um, if you're new and haven't done this yet, please make sure to follow me on whatever platform you're uh listening to this on um and no matter what age what race um what how poor you are how rich you are um it doesn't really matter everyone just deserves to listen to some harry potter so let's get started um we are going to be reading i believe um because i have a new jim k book over, I'm not reading from the same book anymore, so um, it's hard to tell the different pages. So we're up to Diagon Alley. Um, we're, so we're going to be starting from there. Um, if the pages are a bit noisy, um, sorry, it's just that this book is huge. Like the pages, uh, think like not A3, but like A and a half, A4 and a half or something. Anyway, they're really big, so please just ignore that noise. Also, if there's any background noise, please ignore that because my mom's cooking and for some reason my sister's angry at me. So if you like yell something outside my door, then sorry. Yeah, that's her. Anyway, so I don't want to waste any more time. Let's read Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, Chapter 5, Diagon Alley. Um, can you please tell me if I want to, if you want me to do voices or not? Because I think I'm kind of good at voices, but like when I try to imitate Hagrid or people who have deep voices, I go weird. Like I'm not understandable or anything. Because when I was listening to myself on the first episode I did, when I was doing my Jim McGruffin voice, oh, I could barely hear myself. Oh, sorry, Joe McGuffin. Okay, let's start. Harry woke up early the next morning, although he could tell it was daylight. He kept his eyes shut tight. It was a dream, he told himself firmly. I dreamed a giant called Hagrid came to tell me I was going to a wizard school, a school for wizards. When I open my eyes, I'll be at home in my cupboard. Suddenly, there was a loud tapping noise. And there's Aunt Petunia knocking on my door, Harry thought, his heart sinking. But he still didn't open his eyes. It had been such a good dream. Tap, tap, tap. All right, Harry mumbled. I'm getting up. He sat up and Hagrid's heavy coat fell off him. The hut was full of sunlight. The storm was over. Hagrid himself was asleep on the collapsed sofa 
and there was an owl wrapping its claw on the window, like a, new- a newspaper held in its beak. Harry scrambled to his feet, so happy he felt as though a large balloon was swelling inside him. He went straight to the window and jerked it open. The owl swooped in and dropped the newspaper on top of Hagrid, who didn't wake up. The, the owl then fluttered onto the floor and began to attack Hagrid's coat. Don't do that. Harry tried to wave the owl out of the way, but it snapped its beak fiercely at him and carried on savaging the coat. Hagrid, said Harry loudly. There's an owl. Pay him. Hagrid grunted on the sofa. What? He wants paying for delivering the paper. Look in the pockets. Hagrid's coat seemed to be made of nothing but pockets. Bunches of keys, slug pellets, balls of string, mint humbugs, tea bags, and finally, Harry pulled out a handful of strange-looking coins. Give him five nuts, said Hagrid sleepily. Nuts? Little bronze ones. Harry counted out five little bronze coins, and the owl held out its leg so he could put the money in the small leather pouch tied to it, then flew off through the open window. Hagrid yawned loudly, sat up and stretched. Best be off, Harry. Lots to do today. Gotta get to London to and buy all your stuff for school. Hagrid was turning over the wizard coins and looking at them. He had just thought of something which made him feel as though the happy balloon inside him had got a puncture. Um, Hagrid? Mm, said Hagrid, who was pulling on his huge boots. I haven't got any money. You heard Uncle Vernon last night. He won't pay for me to go and learn magic. Don't worry about that, said Hagrid, standing up and scratching his head. Do you think your parents didn't leave you anything? But if their house was destroyed... They didn't keep their gold in their house, boy. Nah. First stop for us is Gringotts, Wizard's Bank. Have a sausage. They're not bad cold. And I wouldn't say no to a bit of your birthday cake neither. Wizards have banks. Oh, just the one. Gringotts. Run by goblins. Harry dropped the bit of his sausage he was holding. Goblins? Yeah, so you'd be mad to try and rob it, I tell you that. Never mess with goblins, Harry. Goblins is a safe. Gringotts is the safest place in the world. If you want to keep any, um, to keep safe for anything you want to keep safe, except maybe Hogwarts. As a matter of fact, I gotta visit Gringotts anyway, for Dumbledore Hogwarts business. Hagrid drew himself up proudly. He usually gets me to do important things for him, fetching, fetching you, getting things from Gringotts. He knows he can trust me, see? Got everything? Come on, then. Harry followed Hagrid out onto the rock. The sky was quite clear now, and the boat gleamed in the sunlight. The boat Uncle Vernon had hired was still there, with a lot of water in the bottom after the storm. How did you get here? Harry asked, looking around for another boat. Flew, said Hagrid. Flew? Yeah, but we'll go back in this. Not supposed to use magic now, I've got ya. They settled down in the boat, Harry still staring at Hagrid, trying to imagine him 
imagining him flying. Trying to imagine him flying. It's a shame to row, though, said Hagrid, giving Harry another of his sideways looks. If I was to uh, speed things up a bit, would you mind not mentioning it at Hogwarts? Of course not, said Harry, eager to see more magic. Hagrid pulled out the pink umbrella again, tapped it twice on the side of the boat, and sped off towards the land. Sped off towards land. Why would you be mad to try and rob Gringotts? Harry asked. Spells, enchantments, said Hagrid, unfolding, unfolding his newspaper as he spoke. They say, they say there's dragons guarding the high security vaults. Then you gotta find your way. Gringotts is hundreds of miles underground, lo- under London, see? Deeper the underground, you'd die of hunger trying to get out. Uh, deep under the underground, you'd die of hunger trying to get out, even if you did manage to get your hands on some at. Harry sat down, sat and thought about this while Hagrid read his newspaper, The Daily Prophet. Hagrid had learned from Uncle Vernon that people liked to be left alone while they did this, but it was very difficult. He never had so many questions in his life. Ministry of Magic messing things up as usual, Hagrid muttered, turning the page. There's a Ministry of Magic? Harry asked before he could stop himself. Course, said Hagrid. They wanted Dumbledore for minister, of course, but he'd never leave Hogwarts, so old Cornelius Fudge got the job. Bungler if there ever was one. So he pelts Dumbledore with owls every morning, asking for advice. But what does the Ministry of Magic do? Well, their main job is to keep it from the muggles, and there's still witches and wizards up and down the country. Is to keep well, their main job is to keep it from the muggles, and that there are still witches and wizards up and down the country. Why? Why? Blimey, Harry, everyone be wanting magic solutions to their problems. Now, we're best left alone. At this moment, the boat bumped gently into the harbour wall. Hagrid folded his newspaper as they clambered onto the stone steps onto the street. Passerby stared at Hagrid a lot as Hagrid walked through the little town to the station. Harry couldn't blame them. Not only was Hagrid twice as tall as everyone else, he kept pointing at perfectly ordinary things, like parking meters and saying loudly, See that, eh, Harry? These these things these muggles dream up, eh? Hagrid, said Harry, panting a bit as he ran to keep up. Did you say there were dragons at Gringotts? Well, so they say, said said Hagrid. Crikey, I'd like a dragon. You'd like one? Wanted one ever since I was a kid. Here we go. They'd reached the station. There was a train to London in five minutes' time. Hagrid, who didn't understand muggle money, as they called it, gave the notes to Harry so he could buy their tickets. People uh, stared more than ever on the train. Hagrid took up two seats and sat knitting what looked like a a canary yellow circus tent. Still got your letter, Harry, he asked as he counted stitches. Harry took the parchment envelope out of his pocket. Good, said Hagrid. There's a list there of everything you need. Harry unfolded the second piece of paper 
he hadn't noticed the night before, and read, Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, Uniform. First-year students will require three sets of plain black, three sets of plain work robes, black, one plain pointed hat, black for day wear, one pair of protective glasses, drag, protective gloves, dragon hide or similar, one winter cloak, black silver fastenings. Please note that all pupil clothes should carry name tags. Set books. All students should have a copy of each of the following. The Standard Book of Spells, Grade 1, by Miranda Gorshock. A History of Magic, by Mathilda Bagshot. Magical Theory, by Adabert Waffling. A Beginner's Guide to Transfiguration, by Emmerich Switch. 1,000 Magical Herbs and Fungi, by Philida Spore. Magical Drafts and Potions by Arsenius Jigger. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them by Newt Scamander. The Dark Forces, A Guide to Self-Protection by Quentin Trimble. Other Equipment. One Wand, One Cauldron, Pewter, Standard Size 2. One Set Glass or Crystal Files. One Telescope. One set brass scales. Students may also bring an owl or a cat or a toad. Parents are reminded that first years are not allowed to bring their own broomsticks. Are not allowed their own broomsticks. Can we buy all this in London? Harry wondered aloud. If you know where to go, said Hagrid. Harry had never been to London before. Although Hagrid seemed to know where he was going, he was obvious. Although Hagrid seemed to know where he was going, he was not obvious he was obviously not used to getting there in an ordinary way. He got stuck in the ticket barrier on the underground. And Okay. Um sorry. Uh um this was cut a few minutes short because I accidentally read the wrong part of the page so um hope you enjoyed elmore heights um he got stuck in the ticket barrier on the underground and complained loudly and complained loudly that the seats were too small and the trains too slow he didn't know how mu- i don't know how muggles manage without magic he said as they climbed up a broken down escalator which led to the bustling road lined with shops Hagrid was so huge that he parted the crowd easily. All Harry had to do was to stay close behind him. They passed bookshops and music stores, hamburger bars and cinemas, but nowhere looked as if it could sell you a magic wand. This was an ordinary street full of ordinary people. Could there really be piles of wizard gold buried miles underneath them? Was this were there really shops that sold spell books and broomsticks? Might this not be just all some big huge joke that the Dursleys had cooked up? If Harry hadn't known that the Dursleys had no sense of humour, he might have thought so. Yet somehow, even though everything Hagrid told him was so far um was so far unbelievable, 
so far was unbelievable, Harry couldn't help trusting him. This is it, said Hagrid, coming to a halt. The Leaky Cauldron. It's a famous place. It was a tiny, grubby-looking pub. If Hagrid hadn't pointed it out, Harry wouldn't have noticed it was there. Uh, the people hurrying by didn't glance at it. Their eyes slid from the big bookshop on one side to the record shop on the other, as if they couldn't see the leaking cauldron at all. In fact, Harry had the most peculiar feeling that only he and Hagrid could see it. Before he could mention this, Hagrid had steered him inside. For a famous place, it was very dark and shabby. A few old women were sitting in the corner, drinking tiny glasses of sherry. One of them was smoking a long pipe. A little man in a top hat, who was talking to the old barman, who was quite bald and looked like a gummy walnut. The low buzz of chatter stopped, and when they walked in, everyone seemed to know Hagrid. The barman waved and smiled at him. The barman, uh, the they waved and smiled at him. And the barman reached for reached for a gro- gro- reached for a glass, saying, "The usual, Hagrid." Can't, Tom. I'm on Hogwarts business," said Hagrid, clapping his great big hand on Harry's shoulder and making Harry's knees buckle. "Good Lord," said the barman, peering at Harry. Is this, can this be? Harry, the leaky cauldron had gone suddenly silent, had gone completely still and silent. Bless my soul, whispered the old barman. Harry Potter, what an honour. He rushed out from behind the bar, rushed towards Harry and seized his hand, his uh, tears in his eyes. Welcome back, Mr. Potter, welcome back. Harry didn't know what to say. Everyone was looking at him. The old woman with the pipe was puffing on it without even realising it had gone out. Hagrid was beaming. Then there was a great scraping of chairs, and the next moment Harry found himself shaking hands with everyone in the leaky cauldron. Doris Crockford, Mr. Potter, I'm so... I can't believe I'm meeting you at last. So proud, Mr. Potter, I'm just so proud. Always wanted to shake your hand. I'm all of a flutter. Delighted, Mr. Potter. Just can't tell you. Diddle's the name. Diddleus Diggle. I've seen you before, said Harry, as Diddleus Diggle's top hat fell off in excitement. You bowed to me once in a shop. He remembers, cried Diddleus Diggle, looking around at everyone. Did you hear that? He remembers me. Harry shook hands again and again. Doris Crockford kept coming back for more. A pale young man made his way forward, very nervously. One of his eyes was twitching. Professor Quirrell, said Hagrid. Harry, Professor Quirrell will be one of your teachers at Hogwarts. P-P-P-Potter, stammered Professor Quirrell, grasping Harry's hand. Can't tell you how pleased I am to meet you. What sort of magic do you teach, Professor Quirrell? The defense against the d- d- dark arts, muttered Professor Quirrell, as though he'd, ra- he'd um, rather not think about it. N- not that you, you n- n- need it, eh? P- 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 
Potter? He laughed nervously. You'll be g getting all your equi equipment, I suppose? I've got to p pick, pick up a new book on vampires m m myself. He looked terrible. He looked terrified at the thought. But the others wouldn't let Professor Quirrell keep Harry all to himself. It took at least almost ten minutes to get him a, to get. It took almost ten minutes to get away from them from them all. At last, ha Hagrid managed to make himself heard all over the ba um, babble. Must get on. Lots to buy. Come on, Harry. Doris Crockford shook Harry's hand one last time, and Hagrid led them through the bar and out into a small walled courtyard where there was nothing but a dustbin and a few weeds. He grinned at Harry. Told you, didn't I? Told you you was famous. Even Professor Quirrell was trembling to meet ya. Mind you, he's usually trembling. Is he always that nervous? Oh, yeah. Poor bloke. Brilliant mind. He was fine when he was studying out of books, but then he took a year off to for some first-hand experience. They say he met some vampires in the Black Forest, and there was a nasty bit of trouble with a hag. Never been the same since. Scared of the student, scared of his own subject. Now, where's my umbrella? Vampires? Hags? Harry's head was swimming. Hagrid, meanwhile, was counting the bricks in the, um, in the wall across above the dustbin. Three up, two across, he muttered. Right, stand back, Harry. He tapped the wall three times with the point of his umbrella. The brick he had touched quivered. It wriggled in the middle and a hole appeared. It grew wider and wider. A second later, they, um, they were facing an archway, even uh, large enough even for Hagrid, an archway onto a cobbled street which twisted and turned out of sight. Welcome, Hagrid said, to Diagon Alley. Okay, um, hope you enjoyed that two second song. For you, it's been about two seconds. For me, it's been about maybe an hour. Anyway, um, let's continue. So, welcome, said Hagrid, to Diagon Alley. He grinned at Harry's amazement. They stepped through the archway. Harry looked quickly over his shoulder and saw the archway shrink away instantly back into solid wall. The sun shone brightly on br brightly on a stack of cauldrons outside the nearest shop. Cauldrons, all sizes, copper, brass, pewter, silver, self-stirring, collapsible, said a sign hanging over them. Yeah, you'll be needing one, said Hagrid, but we've got to get your money first. Hagrid wished he had about um Harry wished he had about eight more eyes. He turned his head in every direction as they walked up the street, trying to look at everything at once. The shops, the things outside them, the people doing their shopping. A plump woman outside an apothecary's I don't know how to say that word. Was shaking her head as they passed, saying, Dragon liver, 
16 sickles an ounce. They're mad. With a low, soft hooting came from a dark shop with a sign saying, Elops, Elops, Alemporium. Tawny, Screech, Barn, Brown and Snowy. Several boys were about Harry's age had their nose pressed against a window with broomsticks in it. Look, Harry heard one of them, one of them say, the new Nimbus 2000, fast as ever. There were shops um, selling robes, shops selling telescopes, and strange silver instruments that Harry had never seen before. Windows stacked with barrels of bat spleens and eel eyes and tottering piles of spell books, qui um, spell books, quills, and rolls of parchment. Potion bottles, globes of the moon, Gringotts, said Hagrid. They had reached a snowy white building which towered over the other shops. Standing beside its burnished bronze doors, wearing a uniform of scarlet and gold, was... Yeah, that's a goblin, said Hagrid quietly, as they walked up the white stone steps towards him. The goblin was a head shorter than Harry. He was a swarty, clever... He had a swarty clever face and with a, po a pointed beard and harry noticed very long fingers and feet he bowed as they walked inside now they were facing a second pair of doors silver this time with words engraved upon them enter stranger but take heed of what awaits for the sin of greed those you take but do not earn must pay dearly in their turn so if you seek beneath our floors a treasure that was never yours Thief, you have been warned. Beware of finding more than treasure there. Like I said, you'd be try, you'd be mad to try and rob it," said Hagrid. A pair of goblins bound them through the silver doors, and they were in a vast marble hall. About a hundred more goblins were sitting on high stools behind a large counter, scribbling in large ledgers, weighing coins with brass scales examining precious stones through eyeglasses. There were too many doors to count leading off into the leading off the hall, and yet more goblins were showing people in and out of these. Hagrid and Harry made people made for the counter. Morning, said Hagrid to a free goblin. We've come to take some money out of Harry Potter's safe. You got his do you have his key, sir? Got it in here somewhere, said Hagrid and he started emptying his pockets onto the counter, scattering a handful of multi-dog biscuits all over the goblin's book of numbers. The goblin wrinkled his nose. H Harry watched as the goblin on their right was weighing a pile of rubies as big as glowing coals. Got it, said Hagrid at last, holding up a tiny golden key. The goblin looked at it closely. That seems to be in order. And... I've also got a letter here from Professor Dumbledore, Hagrid said importantly, throwing out his chest. It's about the you-know-what in Vault 713. The, go the goblin read the letter carefully. Very well, he said, handing it back to Hagrid. I will have someone take you down to both vaults. Griphook? Griphook was yet another goblin. One Hagrid, once Hagrid had grabbed all the had crammed all the dog biscuits back inside his pocket. He and Harry followed Griphook towards one of the doors leading off the hall. 
What's the you-know-what in Vault 713? Harry asked. Can't tell you that, said Hagrid mysteriously. Very secret. Hogwarts business. Dumbledore's trusted me. More than my job's worth to tell you that. Griphook held the door open for them. Harry, who had expected more marble, was surprised. They were standing in a narrow stone passageway lit with flaming torches. It was steep. It was sloped steeply downwards, and there was little well, railway tracks on the floor. Griphook whistled, and a small cart came hurtling up the tracks towards them. They climbed in, Hagrid with some difficulty, and they were off. <laughs> that sounded chilly. And they were off. At first, they hurtled through a maze of twisting passages. Harry tried to remember. Left, right, left, right, no. Left, right, right, left. Middle, fork. Le right, left. But it was impossible. The, running, the rattling cart seemed to know its own way because Griphook wasn't steering. Harry's eyes stung as the cold air rushed past them, but he kept them wide open. Once, he thought he saw a burst of fire at the end of a passage and twisted around to if there was a dragon, to see if there was a dragon. But too late, they plunged even deeper, um, passing an underground lake where huge scatolites and stagomites grew from the ceiling and the floor. I never know, Hagrid called to Harry, uh, Harry called to Hagrid over the noise of the cart. What's the difference between a stagomite and a stactolite? Stagomite's got an M in it, said Hagrid. And don't ask me any more questions. I think I'm going to be sick. He did look very green. And when the cart stopped, at last, beside a small door in the passageway, Hagrid got out and had to lean against the wall to stop his knees trembling. Griphook unlocked the door. A lot of green smoke came billowing out. And, as, as it cleared, Harry gasped. Inside were mounds of gold coins, columns of silver, heaps of little bronze nuts. It's all yours, smiled Hagrid. All Harry's. It was incredible. The Dursleys couldn't have known about this, or they would have, take, or they would have had it from him faster than blinking. How often had they complained about how much Harry cost them to keep? And all the time, there had been a small fortune belonging to him, buried deep under London. Hagrid helped Harry pile some of it into a bag. The gold was the galleons, he explained. 20 20, no, 17 silver sickles to a galleon, and 20 nuts to a sickle. It's easy enough. Twenty-nine nuts to a sickle. It's easy enough. Right. That should be enough for a couple of turns. We'll keep the rest safe for you. He turned to Griphook. Vault 713 and... Vault 713, please. And can we go a little more slowly? One speed only, said Griphook. They were gathering... They were going down... They were going even deeper and gathering speed. Um, the air became colder and colder as they hurled around tight corners. They went rattling over an underground ravine, and Harry leant over to the side of the, leant over the side 
to try and see what was down at the dark bottom, but Hagrid groaned and pulled him back by the scruff of his neck. Vault 713 had no keyhole. Stand back, said Griphook importantly. He stroked the door gently with one of his long fingers, and it simply melted away. If anyone but a Gringotts goblin tried that, they'd be sucked through the door and trapped in there, said Griphook. How often do you check to see if anyone's inside? About once every ten years, said Griphook with a rather nasty grin. Something really extraordinary had to be inside this top secret vault. Harry was expect uh Harry was sure and he uh leaned forward eagerly, expecting to see fabulous jewels at the very least. But at at first thought he was empty. It was empty. Then he noticed a grubby little package wrapped up um in a brown paper lying on the floor. Hagrid picked it up and tucked it inside his coat. Harry longed to know what it was, but he knew better than to ask. Come on, uh, back in this infernal cup, and don't talk to me on the way back. It's best if I keep my mouth shut, said Hagrid. One wild cart ride later, they stood outside, blinking in the sunlight outside Gringotts. Harry didn't know where to run first, now that he had a bag full of money. He didn't have to know how many galleons he was holding, how many galleons there were to a pound, to know that he was holding more money than he'd ever had in his life. Um, than e- more money than even Dudley had ever had. Might as well get your uniform, said Hagrid, nodding to Madame Malkin's robes for all occasions. Listen, Harry, would you mind if I slipped off for a pick-me-up? At, in the leaky cauldron, I hate them Gringotts carts. He did look. He did still look a bit sick. So Harry entered Madame Malkin's shop alone, feeling nervous. Madame Malkin was a squat, smiling witch, dressed in mauve. Ah, oh, sorry. Excuse me. Um, Hogwarts, dear. He said, or she said, when Harry started to speak. Got the lot here. Another man being fitted up just now, in fact, at the back in the back of the shop, a boy with a pale, pointed face was standing on the footstool. Um, while a second witch pinned his long black robes, Madame Malkin stood Harry on on the stool next to him, slipped a long robe um, over his head, and began to pin it to the right length. Hello," said the boy. Hogwarts, too. Yes, said Harry. My father's next door, buying my books, and mother's up the street looking at wands, said the boy. He had a bored, drawling voice. Then I'm going to drag them off to look at racing brooms. I don't think, wh- I don't see why Perseus can't have their own. I think I'll bully father into getting me one and smuggle it in somehow. Harry was strongly reminded of Dudley. Have you got your own broom? Harry went. The boy went on. No, said Harry. Play Quidditch at all? No, said Harry again. Harry said again, wondering what on earth Quidditch could be. I do. Father says it's a crime if I'm not picked to play for my house. And I must say, I agree. Know what house he'll be in yet? No, said Harry, feeling more stupid by the minute. 
Well, no one really knows until they get there. But I know I'll be in Slytherin. All our family have been. Imagine being in Hufflepuff. I think I'll, I'll leave, wouldn't you? Hmm, said Harry, wishing he could say something a bit more interesting. I say, look at that man, the boy suddenly said. Said the boy suddenly, nodding towards the front window. Hagrid was standing there, grinning at Harry and pointing two large ice creams to show that he couldn't come in. That's Hagrid, said Harry, pleased to know something that the boy didn't. He works at Hogwarts. Oh, said the boy, I've heard of him. He's a sort of servant, isn't he? He's the gamekeeper, said Harry. He was liking the boy less and less every second. Yeah, exactly. I heard he's a sort of savage. Lives in a hut in the school grounds. And every now and then he gets drunk. Tries to do magic, but ends up setting fires to his bed. I think he's brilliant, said Harry coldly. Do you? said the boy with a slight sneer. Why is he with you? Where are your parents? They're dead, said Harry shortly. He didn't feel much like going into the matter with this boy. Oh, sorry, said the other, not saying sorry at all. But they were our kind, weren't they? They were a witch and wizard, if that's what you mean. I really don't think they should just let in the other sort, do you? They've just, they, they're just not the same. They've never been brought up to know our ways. Some of them had never even heard of Hogwarts until they got the letter, I imagine. I think that, uh, I think they should keep it in the old wizarding families. What's your surname, anyway? But before Harry could answer, Baden Malcolm said, That's done for you, my dear, and Harry, not sorry for an excuse to stop talking to the boy, hopped down from the footstool. Well, I'll see you at Hogwarts, I suppose, said the drawling boy. Harry was rather quiet as he ate the ice cream Hagrid had bought him. Chocolate and raspberry with chopped nuts. What's up? said Hagrid. Nothing, Harry lied. They stopped to buy parchment and quills. Harry cheered up a bit when he found a bottle of ink that changed colour as he wrote. When they left the shop, he said, Harry, Hagrid, what's Quidditch? Blimey, Harry, I keep forgetting how little you know. Not knowing about Quidditch. Don't make me feel worse, said the said Harry. He told Hagrid about the pale boy and Madame Malkins. And he said that people from Muggle families shouldn't be allowed in. You're not from a Muggle family. If he had known who you were, he's grown up knowing. Your name his your name if his parents are wizarding folk. He know your name if you if his parents were wizarding folk. You saw them in the leaky cauldron. Anyway, what does he know about it? Some of the best I ever saw were the only ones with magic in them. When it, some of the best I ever saw were the only ones with magic in them in a long line of muggles. Look at your mum. Look at what she had for her sister. So, what is Quidditch? It's our sport. Wizard sport. It's like football in the muggle world. Everyone follows Quidditch. It's played up in the air on broomsticks. There are four balls, sort of hard to explain the rules. What a Slytherin and Hufflepuff. Schoolhouses, there's four. Everyone says Hufflepuff are a lot of old duffers, but I'm better than Hufflepuff. Better Hufflepuff than Slytherin, said Hagrid darkly. 
there's not a single witch or wizard that went bad who wasn't in Slytherin. You know who was one. Volt, sorry. You know who was at Hogwarts. Years and years ago, said Hagrid. They bought Harry's school books in a shop called Flourish and Blots, where shelves were stacked to the ceiling with books as large as paving stones, bound in leather. Books the size of postage stamps covered in silk. Books full of peculiar symbols and a few books with nothing in them at all. Even Dudley, who had never read anything, would have been wild to get his hand on some of these. Hagrid almost had to drag Harry away from curses and counter curses, bewitch your friends and befuddle your enemies with the latest revenges, hair loss, jelly t legs, tongue tying, and much, much more. By Pro um, Professor Vindictus Veridian. I'm trying to find out how to curse Dudley. I'm not saying that's a good idea, but you're not to use uh, magic in the muggle world. Except under in very special circumstances, said Hagrid. Anyway, you couldn't work any of them curses yet. You need a lot more study before you get to that level. Hagrid wouldn't. Uh, Hagrid wouldn't let Harry buy a solid gold. Uh, solid gold. Um, solid gold cauldron either. It says pewter on your on your list, but they got a nice set of scales for weighing potion ingredients. And a, a, collapsible, a collapsible brass telescope. Uh, then they visited the Apothecaries, which was fascinating enough to make up for its horrible smell. A mixture of bad eggs and rotted cabbages. Barrels of slimy stuff stood on the floor. Jars of herbs, dried roots and bright powders lined the walls. Bundles of feathers, strings of fangs, and snarled claws hung from the ceiling. While Hagrid asked the man behind the counter for a supply of some basic potion ingredients for Harry, Harry himself examined silver unicorn horns each at 21 galleons each and minuscule glittery black beetle eyes. Five nuts a scoop. Outside the Ampothecaries, Ampothecaries, I don't know what that word means, and I don't know how to pronounce it, sorry. Um, Harry checked Harry's list again. Just your one left? Oh yeah, and I still haven't got you a birthday present. Harry felt himself grow red. You don't have to. I know I don't have to. Tell you what, I'll get you an animal, not a toad. Toads went out of fashion years ago. You'd be laughed at. And I don't like cats. They make me sneeze. I'll get you an owl. All the kids want owls. They're dead useful. Carry your post and everything. 20 minutes later, they left the Elops Isle Emporium, which had been dark and full of rustling and flickling, br jewel bright eyes. Harry now carried a large cage, which held a beautiful snowy owl, fast asleep with her head under her wing. He couldn't stop stammering his thanks, sounding just like Professor Quirrell. Don't mention it, said Harry gruffly. Don't expect that you've had a lot of presents from don't expect that you've had a lot of presents from the Dursleys. Just Ollivander's left now. 
the only place for ones. Ollivanders and you've Ollivanders and you've gotta have the best wand. A magic wand. This is what Harry had been really looking forward to. The last shop was narrow and shabby. Peeling gold letters over the door read Ollivanders, makers of fine wands since thir- uh, 382 BC. A single wand lay on a faded purple cushion in the dusty window. A tinkling bell rang as somewhere in the depths of the shop as they stepped inside. It was a tiny place, empty except for a single spindly chair which Hagrid sat on to wait. Uh, Harry felt very strange, felt strangely, as though he'd just entered a very strict library. He swallowed a lot of new questions which had occurred to him and looked instead at the thousands of narrow boxes piled neatly right up to the ceiling. For some reason, um, the very, for some reason, the back of his neck prickled. The very dust and silence in here seemed to tickle, tickle, tingle with some mag- some secret magic. Good afternoon, said a soft voice. Harry jumped. Hagrid must have jumped too, because there was a loud crunching noise, and he quickly got off the spindly chair. An old man was standing before them, his wa- his wide, pale eyes shining like moons through the gloom of the shop. Hello, said Hagrid, uh, Harry awkwardly. Ah, uh, yes, said the man. Yes, yes, I thought I'd be seeing you soon, Harry Potter. It wasn't a question. You have your mother's eyes. It seems only yesterday she was in here herself buying her first wand. Ten and a quarter inches long, swishy, made of willow. Nice wand for charm work. Mr. Ollivander moved closer to Harry. Harry wished he would blink. Those silvery eyes were a bit creepy. Your father, on the other hand, favoured a Mahangi wand. Eleven inches, pliable. A little more power and excellent transfiguration. Excellent for transfiguration. Well, I say your father favoured it. It's really the wand that chooses the wizard, of course. Mr. Ollivander had come so close to Harry that he, um, that he and Harry were almost nose to nose. Harry could see himself reflected in those misty eyes. And that's where... Mr. Ollivander touched the lightning scar on Harry's forehead with a long white finger. I'm sorry to say I sold the one that did it, he said softly. Thirteen and a half inches, you. Powerful wand, very powerful. And in the wrong hands. Well, if I'd known what that one was going out in the world to do. Then he shook his head and then, to Harry's relief, spotted Hagrid. Rubius! Rubius Hagrid! How nice to see you again! Oak, sixteen inches, rather bendy, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it, it was, sir, yes, said Hagrid. Good one, that one. But I suppose they snapped it in half when you got expelled, said Mr. Ollivander, suddenly stern. Uh, yes, they did, yes, said Hagrid, shuffling his feet. I still got the pieces, though, he added brightly. And you don't use them, said Mr. Ollivander sharply. 
Oh no," said Hagrid very quickly. Hagrid noticed. Uh, Harry noticed that he gripped his pink umbrella very tightly as he spoke. Hmm," said Mister Ollivander, giving Hagrid a piercing look. "Well now, Mister Potter, let me see." He pulled a long tape with silver markings out of his pocket. "Which is your right arm?" "Uh, well, I'm right-handed," said Harry. Hold out your arm. That's it. He measured. He measured Harry from shoulder to finger, then from wrist to elbow, shoulder to floor, knee to armpit, and round his head. As he measured, he said, "Every Ollivander wand has a core of powerful magical substance, Mister Potter. We use unicorn hairs, phoenix tail feathers, and the heartstrings of dragons." No two Ollivander ones are the same. Just as no, as no two unicorns, dragons, or phoenixes are the same. Uh, and of course, you'll never get such good results with another wizard's wand. Harry suddenly realized that the tape, which was measuring between its nostrils, was doing this on its own. Mister Ollivander was flitting around the shelves, taking down boxes. That will do, he said. And the tape measure crumpled to a heap on the floor. Right then, Mister Potter, try this one: beechwood and dragon heartstring, nine inches, nice and flexible. Just give it a wave. Harry took the wand and, feeling foolish, waved it around a bit. But Mister Ollivander snatched it out of his hand almost at once. Maple and phoenix feather, seven inches, quite whippy. Try. Harry tried, but he hardly waved the wand when, too, it was snatched back by Mister Ollivander. No, no, here, ebony and unicorn hair, eight and a half inches, springy. Go on, try it out. Harry tried and tried. He had no idea what Mister Ollivander was waiting for. The pile of tried wands was mounting higher and higher on the spindly chair. But the more wands Mister Ollivander pulled from the shelves, the happier he seemed to become. Tricky customer, eh? Not to worry. We'll find you the perfect match here somewhere. I wonder. Now, yes. Why not? Unusual combination. Holly and Phoenix feather, twelve inches, nice and supple. Harry took the wand. He felt a sudden warmth in his fingers. He brought the wand above his head, brought it down, a、uh, brought it swishing down and around through the dusty air, and the stream of red and gold sparks shot from the end like a firework, throwing dancing spots of light onto the walls. Hagrid whooped and clapped, and Mister Ollivander cried, "Oh, bravo! Yes, indeed, all、oh, very good. Whoa, well, well, well. How curious!" How very curious! He put Harry's wand back into its box and wrapped it around in brown paper, still muttering, "Curious, curious." Sorry," said Harry. "But what's curious?" Mister Ollivander fixed Harry with a pale stare. "I remember every wand I've sold, Mister Potter, every single wand, and it just so happens the Phoenix." Whose tail feather is in your wand? Gave another feather, just one 
other. It is very curious that indeed you should be destined for this wand when its brother, why its brother, gave you that scar. Harry swallowed. Yes, thirteen and a half inches. You. Uh, curious indeed how these things happened. The one chooses the wizard, remember. I think we must expect great things from you, Mr. Potter. After all, he who must not be named did great things. Terrible, yes, but great. Harry shivered. He wasn't sure if he liked Mr. Ollivander too much. He paid seven gold galleons for his wand, and Mr. Ollivander bound them from his shock. The late afternoon sun hung low in the sky as Hagrid as Harry and Hagrid made their way back down Diagon Alley, back through the wall, back through the leaky cauldron, now empty. Harry didn't speak, Harry didn't speak at all as they walked down the road. He didn't even notice how much people were gawping at them on the underground. Laden, as they were with all their funny-shaped packages with the sleepy, snowy owl on Harry's lap. Up another escalator out to Paddington Station, Harry only realised where they were when Hagrid tapped him on the shoulder. Got time for a bite to eat before your train leaves, he said. He bought Harry a hamburger and they sat down on plastic seats to eat. Everything, Harry kept looking around. Everything looked so strange somehow. You're right, Harry. You're very quiet, said Hagrid. Harry wasn't sure he could explain. He just had the best birthday of his life. And yet, he chewed his hamburger, trying to find the words. Everyone thinks I'm special, he said at last. All those people in the leaky cauldron, Professor Quirrell, Mr. Ollivander. But I don't know anything about magic at all. How can they expect great things? I'm famous, and I can't even remember what I'm famous for. I don't even know what happened when Volt, sorry, I mean the night my parents died. Hagrid leant across the table, behind the wild beard and eyebrows, he wore a very kind smile. Don't you worry, Harry, you'll learn fast enough. Everyone starts at the beginning at Hogwarts and you'll just be fine. Just be yourself. I know it's hard, you've been singled out, and that's always hard. But you'll have a great time at Hogwarts. I did. Still do, as a matter of fact. Hagrid helped carry him the train that would take him back to the Dursleys, then handed him a envelope. Your ticket for Hogwarts, he said. First of September, King's Cross. It's all on your ticket. Any problems with the Dursleys, send me an, with a letter with an owl. She'll know where to find me. See you soon, Harry. Um, the train pulled out of the station. Harry wanted to watch Hagrid as he was out of sight. He rose his nose. He rose in his seat and uh, and pressed his nose against the window. But he blinked, and Hagrid had gone. chapter um harry potter and the philosopher's stone um um chapter six 
is the next chapter, the journey from platform nine and three quarters. Um, I really hope you enjoyed this episode of reading Harry Potter with an eleven-year-old. Um, if I read a bit different, please excuse me for that. And uh, there were two breaks in between because I got a bit stuffed up with the pages, and I had to stop halfway through because I had to have dinner. But um, I hope that's okay. Uh, I guess that's pretty much all I have to say. Um, uh, that's yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say. Please make sure to follow me on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Uh, go to my podcast, check out the episodes previous, and maybe even check out the episodes that will be released after this. Thank you for listening, and I will see you until the next episode. Sorry, I guess. Bye.